Praise the Lord. Welcome to the official GVPC podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Keats. I am the pastor of Gila Valley Pentecostal Church in Safford, Arizona. We're so glad to have you here listening to this podcast. We pray that it richly blesses you. And God bless you. the word and I believe God's going to move and God's going to do things and I believe if you came here hungry and thirsting for God, God's going to to give you something to eat. God's going to give you something to drink. Amen. But let's get through this. I'm going to share my burden. So so privileged to be here to share my burden. My name is Jesse. My wife Christy. Our last name is Thomas. And we are missionaries to Micronesia. And we'll get to that here in a minute, but I want to tell you that we didn't grow up in church. We grew up just the opposite of church, I think. Way out there. And we were very, we grew up very sinful, very rough, very hard lives. And so much so that we started our family in high school. I believe our second one was in the oven before she graduated high school. But praise God, I chased her around on the playground when we were in elementary school. And this year on the mission field, we celebrated 25 years of marriage. God has been good. Uh, just a little bit of our testimony. I, all that sin that we had in our early years, we got married right out of high school. And we pulled all of that sin and put it right into our marriage. And man, we have trouble. And sin's not your friend, ladies and gentlemen. But though I had trouble, I also had faith in the God of this book. And I thought if I could get a hold of that God, my troubles would disappear, would go away. And so in desperation, I, we're from southern Indiana. I went to a local church in my, my small hometown and the preacher preached. I tore to the, to the altar afterwards, and he came to me. And probably some of you have heard this. Do you believe Jesus is the Christ? Yes, I believe Jesus is the Christ. Do you believe he died for your sins? Yes. Do you believe he rose on the third day? Yes. Congratulations, you're a Christian. And so I walked outside, and I scratched my head, and I looked at my wife and said, I believed that when I went in there. Where's the power? Where's the authority? Where's the life? I got problems. I got issues. I need a God that can step up and do something in my life. So we uh, we did the best that we could. I gave up on that real quick. And I didn't know anything about an apostolic church. 
But I said, man, they, they can't help me. They can just gossip. And, and so my wife and I, as a young person, young married people, I had to get up at 6 in the morning to go to work. But I wanted things right in my home. So my wife and I would sit Indian style in, a, in our bed and we would read the scripture. We'd read about what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be a woman, what, what marriage meant about God. And we did the best that we could in repentance and on our own. And, and throughout the, our history here, we got a chance to move to South Florida. And, and that was where in South Florida, I was driving along on my way home from work. And I, I didn't recognize it at the time, but God was calling me. He said, you need to go to church. I said, no. Been there, did that, nothing to it. I don't want nothing to do with it. Right. Don't fight God, folks. Right, right, right. But now I got internet. Times have changed. I got internet. So I began to research all the local churches in my area in South Florida, and it's all the same stuff I'd already experienced. But I came across this website that said, El Bethel Apostolic Tabernacle, where God is in the midst. I said, that's a mouthful. What do you say about this? And I read on their website about baptism and by immersion in the name of Jesus, repentance of your sin, and filling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And I began to read about the power of a changed life through consecration and a holy walk. And I said, hey, that's what I read about. That's what I've been looking for. And I told my family, I said, hey, get up Sunday. We all go on to church. They thought I was crazy, and I probably was. I don't, I don't deny it. But we went, and I'm telling you, I never saw anything like it in my life. It was predominantly islanders. It was people from Jamaica and Haitia. Haitian. Haiti. Haitians and Jamaicans. I'll get it right here in a second. And, uh, man, we walked in. There was people dancing. There was people rejoicing. There was... Running the aisles, high heels were flying. I said, what did I walk into? The man up on the platform, he was playing the, the bass. bass of, yeah, the bass. And he was just lost in his worship. And I told my wife, that I said, whatever that man has, that is what I want. And I didn't know it, but that man was the one who came to my house and taught my family a Bible study. And him teaching that Bible study was the catalyst or the, the, the starting line of what the rest of my life would be. He taught us about repentance and about baptism in the name of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Ghost. And we were baptized. We got the Holy Ghost. My kids were baptized. They got the Holy Ghost. And I got to thinking. I said, man. I know what dark places I've been in. I know what ugly places. I know where I've been, what I've done. I know some of the things that I'll never tell anybody that's shameful. I know what God did in my life. And I thought, if He can do it for me, then what can He do for my neighbor? What can He do for my co-worker? What can He do for the addict down the road? The guy ain't holding my son. I told you something got a hold of me and said, God wants to do this for everybody. So my wife and I got to work. We, we began, uh, that was during the time of the Great Recession, 2007, 2008. We, we lost our job and our house in Florida like everybody else did. And we went back to Indiana. And that's where we started all of our ministry. We began inviting people to church. And, and then it went from there to Bible studies to being a uh, Bible study coordinator to outreach director to youth pastor to my uh, pastor came to me and said, Thomas, I need you in ministry class. So what for? He said, you need a well-rounded ministry. You've got to start using the pulpit. I said, no, pastor. I'm not even a preacher. He said, what do you mean? I said, you'll like this, pastor. I said, I don't want to be a preacher. I just want to share the gospel. <laughs> Thomas, be in class. I said, yes, sir. I'll be there. <laughs> and so uh, at this point in our life, we had a great, great life. I don't mean I'm not I don't mean this in an arrogant way. I just need you to know the power of the call of God. Yeah. My wife would call and she'd see that we're I'm 44, I got beautiful grandbabies already because we started our family so early. But she would call and she'd say, Hey, I want to buy the grandbabies such and such. It costs this much. So I don't care, just buy it. We had my kids were grown, we had no debt other than that. we we built a brand new house in 2015 and 
and we had we were working on paying that off and I had a business I had money pastor was preaching me twice a twice a month I was I was preached out in the home church as much as I wanted and and then it happened the Lord called us to missions through the interpretation of the tongue and it was said uh, something to this extent you'll you'll walk in foreign lands and I remember reading missionary stories. They said, I was called to such and such country, to such and such city, at such and such time. I didn't get that. You're walking foreign land. Wait, wait, don't go away. What land? Where? When? How? I don't know about this. Right, right, right. So for a couple years, instead of just stepping out on faith, I was trying to figure it out on my own. And I was most miserable. And my wife will tell you I made everybody around me miserable. Something, when you're not where God wants you to be, there's some pressure that begins to build. And it begins to build up over time to, to where you just don't know what to do, to, but just do what God wants you to do. My wife, one day we're in our dining room and I, and I said, I don't care, just fill out the application. Fill it out for England and for three months. Why England? I speak English. Right. <laughs> Why three months? Because I could go there and it would scratch the itch for missions and I could get right back into my cushy life. Right. Pastor signed off on the application. We submitted it. Six weeks later, headquarters called Global Missions. He said, Brother Thomas, I said, yes. If you're willing to go to the Pacific, we have islands with no churches. We have churches with no pastors. And we have missionaries that are soon to retire. And we need help. But you'll have to go for a year. It's a year. Wow, that means sell everything. Sell the house, sell the business, sell the equipment, furniture, forks, spoons, knives. I looked at my wife and said, are we called to this or not? And I think she was just relieved because I was finally stepping into what God was. She said, yes! <laughs> and so I said, okay, yes, we, we will go. And that's what we did. We sold everything that we had. We had two partners at $25 a month. We had $50 coming in every month. That was all we had on the mission field. The rest of the year we lived off the selling of my forks and spoons and furniture and, and all of those things. But I don't regret it. It was a point we were there on the island and as some of you married folks you'll understand this. We were in a little two room hut. That's what we lived in. You'll see it here in a second. And my wife I just turned around and she's looking at me staring like smiling at me and like, what are you looking at and she just smiles so what she says you're happy there's something about resisting the call of god that puts pressure but there's also something about being where you know god wants you to be yes, that brings joy and happiness and clarity of life amen, amen. and so when we got to um, anybody ever heard of micronesia few people. So a lot of people think it's like amnesia, an accident, a result of an accident, but it is a place. You know where uh, Australia is, right? North of that's Papua New Guinea. So just north of that, you got to squint real, there's a little island called Palau. And that's the bottom southeast, southwest corner. And then it spreads out going eastward. There we go. Yes. So you see Palau, and then you got, it says Micronesia next to it, but that's actually the Federated States of Micronesia. Nauru is part of Micronesia. Kiribati is part of Micronesia. The Marshall Islands. And then, of course, you got Guam and the Northern Mariana Islands. We were assigned to work in Palau. Palau, uh, I'm from a tiny county. I mean, it's a little triangle above Louisville, Kentucky, and in Indiana. Palau has 350 some islands for the whole nation. You can shrink, you can put all those islands together and they fit in that little county in Indiana. The whole nation, 19,000 people. And we were assigned to work there. There was a Palauan congregation and a Filipino congregation. And we were assigned to work with the Palauans. And when we got there, the pastor said that they needed revival. It had been a while since someone got the Holy Ghost. The numbers were down. And they just handed it to my wife and I. And we got to, we got to work. We got to doing Bible studies. We did crusades. We started a radio ministry. We did um, a prison ministry. And, and we preached and preached and preached. And some days we were preaching seven days a week. But God blessed us. And I want to 
I have a video. I'm going to show you a little bit of the testimony. Now, what you're going to see in Micronesia on this video, it's predominantly all the countries in Micronesia look the same way. But you'll see like some of the homes and some of the things and some of the things that we have accomplished. I'll talk you through it so we know what we're looking at. So that's my daughter. She went with us. She's at IBC. Now that's Hawaii. I've never been to Hawaii. I thought I'd better take that picture from the plane. That's some of the, the people from the church welcoming us. When we got there, they left us through 26 hours of travel. That fruit basket was well, uh, we loved it. This is our little house, surrounded by coconuts and bananas and mangoes. And you notice there's no air conditioner. You look there, you see an air conditioner, thanks to the church in Guam. Hallelujah. It's a hot place, but it's a very, very beautiful place. That's in a, a buy. It's a meeting house of the chiefs. Always a good sunset in Micronesia. This is the church that we ministered in. You'll see Brother Dibble over there if you know him on the right. This is some of the youth. My wife's brother died and their sisters were praying for my wife while we were there in Palau. This is the Filipino congregation. They have an amazing church of about 100 people in a hotel place. And this sister Debbie receiving the Holy Ghost. This is a Palauan home. It's a very humble home. Um, they don't know any different. They're very happy. That same green tin that you're looking at on the outside, on the inside, is the, the back side of the tin. There's no insulation. It's just very simple homes. This is uh, some of the young guys helping me with outreach. The sister we're praying for here, her name's Marcella. We'll see her in a minute, but we, we rode up on her house on outreach. And, We'll see her again in a second. This is some of the ladies that was helping us with outreach. This young girl here, her feet, they were just oozing open source. Three rounds of antibiotics, but they wouldn't close. Her name is Samoe. We prayed for this little girl. Her feet began to scab up after we prayed. And it led to a Bible study with her grandmother, which you see here, was our second person in Palau to get the Holy Ghost. All of this is uh, Bible study pictures. This is Sister Esther at a home Bible study receiving the Holy Ghost. Sister Cindy at a home Bible study receiving the Holy Ghost. One of our crusades, you think of crusades, you think thousands of people, but we're going to villages that have 60 and 70 houses. And so we would go and we would sing and we would preach for two days just like this. And we would preach on the promises of God and the gift of the Holy Ghost and and people would come out and all and this lady here for example 20 years she was baptized 20 years ago in jesus name she got the holy ghost that night at the crusade we did get to have some fun while we were there world war ii stuff is everywhere tanks and guns you see this stuff everywhere one of the filipina sisters worked at this tourist thing and we got to fly in the plane well my daughter flew the plane, me and my wife sat in the back and spoke in tongues. <laughs> this is the Filipino congregation. They got their young people out front worshiping. Um, they get the Holy Ghost the same way do, we do. They worship the same God we worship. Beautiful people. That lady on the porch, that's her, Sister Marcella. We gave her a five-minute gospel message, and she decided to be baptized in and there, came out of the water, speaking in tongues. This brother Sato came up out of the water, speaking in tongues. Sister uh, Cindy, we seen her earlier get the Holy Ghost at a home Bible study. This, bro this is Brother Ernie. He was prideful and he was stubborn, but he got the Holy Ghost at foot washing. Notice the rainbow. We were preaching on the promise of God, and God gave us that rainbow when eight baptized. Sister Sky, that's Ernie's uh, Ernie's wife. We baptized 50 last year, 41. Holy Ghost filled. 
Now, being teenage parents, my wife spoke on Mother's Day, and this is a 19-year-old mother. She got the Holy Ghost on Mother's Day. This is some of the youth that my wife or my daughter done a very amazing job. She had eight kids get the Holy Ghost. And so she's at IBC studying to get her bachelor's in missiology now. This young girl here with her, her name is Day Day. She lived at our house every weekend, and we miss her. So, so God, God gave us revival, and, and we were happy. And I was telling you, this, this grumpy old preacher was happy when we were there. And uh, But it came to, came to an end, and I knew there's two beautiful churches there. Such a small island, and, and I knew that I had came and I did what God had called me to do. And instead of going back home and being miserable now, I just went ahead and called the regional director and said, "Where are you, you going to send me next?" And so I got the same thing. Please don't leave Micronesia. We got islands with no church, all that stuff. And and I said, "Well, brother Buckland, what would you have me to do?" And he gave me a choice. He gave me actually gave me three choices, and I picked. The Commonwealth of the Northern Mariana Islands. Anybody ever heard of that? Okay, it's just north of Guam. And uh, there's three islands there. That is, there's 17 islands that only three are inhabited. Now, there's a lot of World War II stuff there. If you've heard of Saipan, the, the actual bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima flew out of the Mariana Islands. But we went there. I chose that line. We visited, me and Brother Dibble visited for one day. I want you to get this picture of this place. It's 12 miles long, 5 miles wide. If you go in the center on the hill, you can see the whole island. 12 miles long, 5 miles wide. 43,000 people. They've got brothels. They've got bars. They've got casinos. They've got every addiction that you can... It's a very dark, dark place. They've been in the news for a lot of in the past for human trafficking and slave labor and dark, dark place. In 2008, there was a church there, a beautiful church. The pastor passed away, and he was unable to get a minister or a missionary there, and the church has kind of faded away. And when, while me and Brother Dibble were there for that day, we went to look for the old church building, and uh, it was overtaken with John. We never could find it. It was just that overtaken. And, uh, but I believe that when we get there, my wife and I, and we will get there, I believe that there'll be a, a spark ignited. I believe a, a fire be kindled. And I believe that there's going to be backsliders come in. I believe there's going to be new people born in the kingdom. I believe a church that was once there is going to be rebuilt, reformed, remade. I believe that new life is going to spring up. I believe that in all of that darkness, there's going to be a bright beacon of light showing the way of salvation. But we got to get there. And, and that's why we're here today. We're, we need your help. You say, well, how, do you, how can we help? Well, there's a couple ways. The most important way, number one way. If you, and I know I can already see this as a praying church. If you are a praying people, Remember my wife and I. We've ne I've never been to a place where I don't have a church. I've never been to a place where there's no brothers or sisters to gather with. And I told my wife, I said, sis, I said, I don't call my wife sis. I said, hon, I better not, right? My goodness. So uh, I said, uh, I said, hon, our first service there. I said, I'm going to preach like this general conference, even if it's just me and you. I said, you better not sit down on me. And she looked at me. Well, I'm going to leave worship like this general conference. You better, you better not sit down on me. And I said, we're two or more gathered together. We'll have some church. But I believe God's going to bring us more than just me and my wife. I believe we're going to have some elders all the way down to kids. I believe God is going to do a work in those islands. is we're looking for partners in missions. You say, what is a partner in mission? That's, uh, that's where you say, hey, uh, Thomas, I'll partner with you for 10 15 $25, $50 a month. And, and you say, well, that's not a lot of money. You say, no, it's, it's not. I can't take my wife and my grandbabies to McDonald's to get milkshakes and french fries for that amount. Yeah. But imagine 12 miles long, 5 miles wide. Yeah. 
When we first went to Micronesia, it was before gas was crazy here. It was like two something when we left. We got there, it was $6 a gallon then. When it was two something here, and my, I tell my pastor about it, and he says, my goodness, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting $15 in, and it's lasting all week because I ain't got no place to go. <laughs> I just go to this Bible study, that Bible study, that Bible study, and it's all real close. And so that little bit of money does a lot in Micronesia. But more than that, it keeps us on the field. There's nothing worse for a missionary to go and, and have, start having revival and then run out of funds and have to leave. And these people in Saipan have already experienced that as the church dwindled and died. We don't want right. that to happen again. And so we're asking for some help. And, and if you, as we get ready to preach here in a second, if you, the Lord leads it on your heart, please check with your leadership, check with your pastor, and uh, see if that's all. You know, run that through them, how he wants you to do that if you decide to do that. But I'm going to want this want the Spirit of God. I felt God in here so strong when we were worshiping. Let's see if we can't stir that back up right before we, we uh, preach again. My wife's going to worship with my wife.
chapter 14 and verse 22 and we're going to read all the way down to 33 and this is my disclaimer I, I am reading from the new king james version i like the way that this sounds in this particular um particular portion of scriptures but you'll notice that it's going to say the same in the king james just in a different older way if you've got Matthew 14, 22, say amen. Amen. If you don't, say wait on me. All right. Here we go. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch, my understanding, that's about three in the morning. Now the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly, you are the Son of God. Yes, sir. And I want to talk to you just a simple subject in the middle of your storm. Amen. You'll set your Bibles down, help me pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God, for that goodness and for that mercy, God, for your long suffering. God, I pray now, Lord, that you cover us out your blood. That there is no hindrance between us and you. But God, we want to have fellowship with you. Keep calling upon the mighty name of Jesus. God, I don't want to leave this place the way that I came. But I don't want to leave it alive. Remade and recreated, reborn in you today. And if that's how you feel, say in Jesus' name. Give your neighbor a high five and you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Again, it's so good to be here amongst God's people. I give honor to the church as well. People who are living in this dark, dark, ugly, nasty world that are living for God, that are praying, they're seeking God, seeking that I give honor to you. So praise the Lord. Verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples to get in the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. My God is a great God. Yes, sir. I believe that the Bible says God is great and greatly to be praised. Right. He can do anything. Right. He can do everything. There's nothing impossible for my God. There's nothing too big that my God can't handle. He can do all things and he can do everything. Amen. There's many ways that my God is great. My God is a creator. He can, man can take things and, and make things, but God can take nothing and make everything. Praise God. The Bible says that He created the sun, the moon, the stars. But not only did He create that, He created the heavens for the sun, the moon, and the stars. He created the beasts of the field, but He created the field for the beast. He created the fish, and He created the sea for the fish. He created man, but He created the garden for man. God tell you that, that God asked Job one time, He said, hey, Job, do you know how bones are formed in the womb? I can tell you, God knows how bones are formed in the womb. And when He formed you, and when He 
made you, he gave you a place. You got a place in the kingdom of God. You don't got a word. You don't got a friend. Where do I belong? Where do I go? You're right here, baby. You're right here in the middle where God wants you to be in his kingdom. My God is a deliverer. I'm telling you, he can, there ain't nothing my God. It was that giants, armies that outnumbered them, pharaohs, bondages. He brought them out through the water and by the blood of the lamb, through fiery furnaces, through, through you name it, God can, the lion's den, jail cells. I'm telling you, my, my God is a big God. He's a delivering God, a powerful God. Can I tell you, there's no addiction that's too tough for my God. Methamphetamines, that ain't nothing for my God. Alcoholism, nicotine, no, my God can deliver all things are possible with my God. Praise God, my God's a healer. He's a healer. He can heal anything. When he walked on the earth, he healed blinded eyes and deaf ears. The, the, the crippled walked, the, 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 the withered hands stretched forth. He even raised the dead. I got a report last couple of days ago that two sisters with breast cancer healed in the name of Jesus. I'm here to tell you, my God is huge. There's nothing that's impossible. He can heal cancer, heart disease, high blood pressure, HIV. There's nothing that my God can do. My God is a Savior. He's a Savior. He can save from the guttermost to the uttermost. Right. He can take somebody out of the miry muck and the grime, and he can put them on a rock. He can give them a sure foundation to stand on. I'm here to tell you that God is in the business of saving souls. You don't got to listen to the enemy today. There's nothing too dirty that my God can't clean. There's nothing too far gone that my God can't save. My God is a Savior. tell you this. Contrary to what some people might say, God is still pouring out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, ain't nothing since an apostolic church. He's still pouring out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Say all that to say this. I don't like dead church. I don't like dry church. I don't like pulling up by the roots, dusty, dry, boring church. You say, why? Because my God is not dead. He is alive. I'm just under the persuasion that you come in contact with a live God, that you come in contact with the God that I'm talking about, something ought to change, something ought to happen, something's going to make a difference in your life. That's just what they just came out of. It said that he sent the multitudes away. He told the disciples, get in the boat. And he went on the mountain. See, they just came out of good church. Just prior to this, this is where Jesus fed the multitudes. 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with a couple fish and a few pieces of bread. That's good church, folks. Yes, sir. That's right. Jesus in the midst of us doing miracles. Yes, that's, a, that's a miracle working service. Yes, that's God yes, meeting people where they're at. That's God meeting their need. That's good church. That's right. Then he sent the multitudes away. Get in the boat. What are you getting at, Thomas? I'm getting at I love good church. I remember when I first got into church, I loved it when the evangelists would come. And people running the aisles, biting the pews, scratching the walls, people getting the Holy Ghost. Good church. Amen. I like camp meeting. Man, it's good church. Conferences, good church. I love this Sunday morning just to hear my pastor preach the word. Good church. Amen. But there comes a day when camp meeting ends. Evangelist drags us straighter on. The pastor locks the door. Sends the multitudes away. 
Then what happens? Can I tell you, as much as I like good church, some of my best times walking with God didn't happen inside the building. Talk about it, sir. I can remember times of prayer in my house. Turn out the lights, be on my knees, on the edge of my bed. It's called me crazy. Like I said, I already know I am. Don't make a difference. I'm just speaking truth tonight. And I could, I could, I could see myself. I'm not saying that I left out of my body. I'm just saying it's like a vision. I could see where I was, and I could see where I was going, where I landed. Landed right in the back of a pickup truck, Ford F-150, single cab, red. There's a guy with a ball cap driving. And the spirit said, "Pray for that man." I don't know that man. So I said, "Lord." I want you to bless this man. Lord, if he don't know truth, I pray God you give him revelation. God bring him repentance. Call him and draw him, Lord. Bless him, Lord. And pour out your spirit on him. Bless his health. Bless his finances. Bless his... I just got to slip through everything. Blessing him like the best I could. Back, back where I was at. I can remember times, those times in prayer, and I would just crawl up in my bed and take the blanket and cover my head because I was afraid to open up my eyes because the atmosphere was so spiritually charged that I didn't want... I'm talking about being alone with God. I believe it was Peter who was on a rooftop fasting and praying by himself when he seen a vision and God said, Hey, Pete, there's some guys at the gate. Don't doubt anything. Go with them because I sent them. I think Paul was by himself. He tried to take the gospel this way. He couldn't go. That way he couldn't go. But at night, he got a vision of a man from Macedonia. Hey, come over here and help us. He may not want to be there by himself, but when uh, uh, John was on Patmos, he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What are you getting at, Thomas? I'm getting at this. My God is a great God, but He's not just limited to Sunday morning or Wednesday night. My God can do things on Monday night. He can heal you on Tuesday night. He can fill you with the Holy Ghost on Thursday night. He can touch your memory and touch your memory on a Friday night. I'm telling you, when the door shuts, don't sit down on God. Keep seeking, keep praying, keep worshiping, because my God is big. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be afraid. I believe in one God, ladies and gentlemen. He's indivisibly one. You can't divide him up. He's one. One. The Bible teaches us this in scriptures. If you guys know these things, uh, uh, unto us a child was born, unto us a son was given, his name shall be wonderful, counselor, the mighty God, the prince of peace, the everlasting father. I messed that up, but you guys know it better than I do. Emmanuel, God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. For God was manifest in the flesh. He is the express image of the invisible God. Jesus didn't deny who he was. He said, hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I believe in one God. I believe the scripture tells us that there's one God. Here we see a story of these guys out here in the water and there's wind, there's waves, there's storm, there's wind, and there's a ghost. And they said, ah, oh, it's a ghost. But as much as Scripture tells us that there's one God, that night, Jesus was showing himself who he was. In Job, we read that Job, speaking of God, he said, he alone treads upon the water. Right. These men knew when they said, Jesus they seen Jesus. They were seeing something that wasn't necessarily human at that time. He's treading upon the water. What are you saying, Thomas? I say I believe in one God. Come on. 
And I believe that it doesn't matter what is causing you to fear, what's causing you to distress, what's causing you to question. I'm telling you, God has got it under His feet. And He's just walking right in the midst of all of that. So we don't need to fret. And we don't need to fear. We just need to trust God. I don't care what you're going through, what you're facing, what you're looking at, what trouble is on the horizon. I want to tell you, God is walking in the midst with you. doing what Jesus said to do. Get in the boat. Go to the other side. They're in the boat. And they're going to the other side. And here comes all this storm, all this wind, all this trouble. Can I tell you some people in here, you're in the boat. You're just doing what God said to do. I repented of my sins. I got baptized in Jesus' name. Got filled with the Holy Ghost. What is all this coming at me now? I got lost family members persecuting, ridiculing, making fun, mocking. I got people that won't even invite me over for Thanksgiving dinner anymore. I got all this stuff going on. I got job issues. I've got family issues. I've got I got things that what's going on? I'm supposed to be in the boat. I tell you, you're in the boat. Don't fear. They said that Jesus said when they persecute you, remember they persecuted me first. He said, blessed are you when they ridicule you and say all manner of evil. Did you hear that? He said, blessed are you. I said, you know what? I'm in the boat. I'm trusting Jesus. Let them say what they want to say. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, the world can't save you. The world can't heal you. The world Church. 
We, we overcame some stuff, some family that were coming at us. We conquered that. Some old habits, some old addictions. We, we conquered that. And we live in pretty good. But God is saying there's a little bit more. And it's out there. Where it's dark. Where it's scary. Where there's a storm. So that's why I say Peter had more faith than anybody there that night. Lord, if that's you, command me to come. Come. And ladies and gentlemen, if you step one step on water, that's the miraculous. All right. I'm telling you because Peter was willing to get out of his comfort zone. He walked in the miraculous there that night. He experienced a miracle. He was walking where no man had ever walked before. He was doing what no preacher had ever done before. He was walking and walking. There's been a storm. There's been wind. There's been darkness. There's been this stuff that comes at us. And it seems like we were doing good for a while. But we stumbled a little bit. And then the voice of the enemy comes and says, I know what you did. I know that thought you had. I know where you was. I know, I know, I know. He'll bring up stuff 20 years ago. Right, right, right. Hey, 20 years ago, back whenever. And he just began to sink. And then you begin to question, was I supposed to be here anyway? Did God really call me here anyway? And then the voice of the enemy begins to be even louder. You can't have that prayer life you used to have. You can't walk with God the way you used to walk. You can't have that ministry. You can't go there no more. Can I tell you, the enemy is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning. He's also a liar. He's become a liar. God is in the business of restoring, remaking, rebuilding, recreating. He's a merciful God, a loving God, a saving God. And so when, this is why I love this story so much. Because I've experienced those times when you stumble and you fumble. And you, you feel like just giving up. But can I tell you, when Adam... Stumbled. What did he do? He ran and hid in a bush. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. But church, you've got to realize when those times when you feel like you're sinking, when you're overwhelmed, it's not time to, to run and hide in a bush. It's not time to give up on church. It's not time to quit praying and fasting. But on the contrary, those times is when we need to run to God. We need to fast more. We need to pray. We need to seek God more. God, I'm seeking. Oh, save me, Lord. And that's what Peter did. He said, Lord, I, he got his eyes off of everything but the good and put it on the bad. And he said, I'm seeking. And Jesus reached down and picked him up. What he's saying, Thomas, I'm saying, don't be discouraged today. Your God is a merciful God. He's a great God, a powerful God. And God is for you. Somebody say, God's for me. If God is for you, then what can be against you? Come on. Your past can't be against you. Your last name can't be against you. That guilt, that shame that you're trying to, that can't be against you. If God is for you, all things are And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, caught him. And verse 32, he says, And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. I want to encourage somebody today. I already told you I didn't grow up in church. Grew up very sinful. And some things are they're just hard to overcome. And I'm not telling you that everything's a bed of roses now. But I'm telling you, my God is dead. I can remember times of looking over my shoulder. I can remember times of trying to cover up this lie with that lie. Right. I can remember all of this stuff trying to juggle. I can remember being in bonds, being addicted, being all of this stuff in my life. 
And it seemed like there was always drama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Drama, drama, drama all the time. Trying to juggle this stuff. Trying not to get caught. There's always a storm somewhere. But when Jesus, that day in that little apostolic church when I tore down to that altar and I began to cry out, God, I need you. Lord, I'm tired of the lies. Lord, I'm tired of the problems. I'm tired of trying to play like I'm something that I'm not. Lord, I need some mercy in my life. Can I tell you, when Jesus got into my boat, the storm ceased. The wind ceased. The addictions came off. So all of the problems and the anger and all of that stuff disappeared. I know who I'm talking to tonight. I'm looking at a church, a beautiful church. You say, yeah, Thomas, been there, did that. But Jesus tells us a story of ten virgins. And he says that there's five wise. And these wise ones, they kept their vessel full of oil. So he was burning bright when the bridegroom came. And he warns us in another place, he says, the cares and the fears of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, it'll choke out the seed and it won't bear fruit. I'm not putting anybody in sin. Please don't, don't, don't think I'm trying to squash this. But what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. I've lived in this world. I know what this world takes from us. You work 12 hours a day. You come home, you got to cook dinner, you got to do the dishes, you got to help the kids with the homework, you got to mow the grass, you got laundry to do, to fold, to put away, you got to get the kids bathed, you got all of that stuff going on, and when you hit the bed, turn it. and there's just nothing left. But ladies and gentlemen, tonight, you're in the house of God, there's no dishes, there's no grass, there's no laundry right now, don't waste this opportunity, God, I need you tonight. God, I need some oil in my vessel. I need something in my lamp. God, I need some mercy. One last verse here. It says, Then those that were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What caused these people to worship that night? These men, these fishers. Was it because they seen a miracle? I don't think so. Less than 12 hours prior to this, they witnessed a miracle. They witnessed Jesus feeding the multitude with a couple of fish and a few pieces of bread. That was a miracle, folks. Yes, sir. We don't see in Scripture where they worship Him for that. And this is just Thomas 101, but I've been around church long enough to know that they were probably griping that they had to clean up the mess. I know that's, that's, just, that's just the nature of the piece. <laughs> But they didn't worship that night. Or that, that particular, at that point in that night. So why cause these guys to fall down and say, worship and say, truly, you are the Son of God? I'm going to tell you. These men were in fear of losing their life. Right. The darkness was against them. The water was against them. The wind was against them. Folks, I've been around the ocean a lot. And I've been in boats. When I'm going down a wave and I'm looking up at the next wave above me. That's scary. And these men, experienced fishermen, they were scared for their life. They knew what that sea could do. They just knew that that night was the end all. And ladies and gentlemen, I was a dying person. I had no, no hope apart from Jesus. I had nothing. But when Jesus stepped into my life, He broke the bonds of addiction. You see this beautiful woman here? I should not be married to her. I should have been divorced. I should have been in jail. I should have been addicted. I should have been all kinds of things other than a missionary. But when God got into my boat and saved my life, see, I don't have a problem, ladies and gentlemen, to not say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I give you Glory. Lord, I praise your name. God, you're great and greatly to be praised. God, you're a healer. God, you're a deliverer. God, you're a savior. God, everything that I needed, you did for me. I give you the glory, Lord. Praise God. And the enemy wants 
tell you all kinds of stuff that your God is against you. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you God is not a... While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Right. Quit letting the enemy beat you up. You are the church. You are the apple of his eye. You're the most powerful entity in this world. you got to believe that God says about you. You're his sons and daughters. And he's for you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Have the music come or my wife comes, somebody comes.